0: This podcast features a really great human I met a couple of years ago at the Preakness Stakes at Pimlico Racetrack in Baltimore, Maryland. It's the second jewel in the Triple Crown held two weeks after the Kentucky Derby and three weeks before the Belmont Stakes. In the many years that I have covered the horse races, I can always count on a few things. Fabulous fashion, including my favorite hats, fancy drinks, and fantastic food with some of the best chefs in the area. Jay Roffing was our guest on Fox and Friends when we discussed the cuisine that was being featured at Pimlico, and we hit it off right away. He's a former chef-testant and winner from the hit Food Network series, Chopped. Jay and his family live in Northern Maryland, where they raise livestock ranging from ducks to bees. They have an orchard and gardens throughout their property, and they want their kids to be good stewards of the land, understanding the importance of food food cooking, and how mealtime at home should be a family-focused activity. In other words, I thought he would be a wonderful person to have on the podcast, and he definitely delivered, especially when it comes to describing his delicious dishes you will think about long after our discussion is over. So please welcome my friend Jay Roffing, chef of Victoria Restaurant Group and Chopped Champion on the Janisteen Podcast. Jay Roffing, you made the Dean's List. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> now, I we met a couple of years ago at the Preakness. Um, our love of racing and food brought us together.
1: Correct. Well, and it was such a, a wonderful meeting. I, I remember coming in. You know, those days can be extremely long. And I remember walking through into the dining room to check the um, the status of our setup. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's Janice Dean. <laughs>
0: That's right. And I got to interview you and you left an impression on me. I, you know, when you meet somebody, sometimes they just kind of knock your socks off. Right. And I really felt that way about you. I think we had a lot in common. Uh, You're an easy person to talk to. I think sometimes, you know, in this business, you're interviewing someone and you're focused on the task and you don't really, you know, get to know the person. But I felt in the short time that we n- met each other that we really bonded.
1: I, I tell you, I, I, the feeling's mutual. And I've had moments like that before. And I think, um, like, for instance, I I got to meet um, Brian Voltaggio. He's one of the, you know, the famous chefs in our region. And he and I connected because, It was one of those where we started to talk about our lives and our families and not so much of our professional careers, Mm. and we got to know each other at a more, like a deeper level, if you will. Yep. Like even how quick it was, like I, I had a better understanding of who the individual was, not just the... The persona. Yep. If that
0: makes any sense. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I felt that way, and also our love of family, our love of our children, uh, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on today. the The news that has been unfolding on television has been really difficult uh, for so many reasons. You know, we're seeing heartbreak, bloodshed, uh, unimaginable things uh, in Israel, and. I, we were talking about how important it is for us to appreciate our own lives, our families, uh, but also know that that can happen. And I think it's really important now more than ever to have conversations with our families and connect with them because uh, life can change in a moment.
1: Right. Now, um, exactly. I mean, imagine like I know my Saturday morning routine Right with my family, and I couldn't imagine it being um just abruptly um just shattered yes you know just like how it happened in Israel and this you know a couple of weeks ago and and uh you're right like the conversations we've been having in our home and and at work in the kitchen it's about fellowship you know and and how it can start by just your small you know intimate uh family group you know like my wife and my kids and and what we talk at home and And then that's I feel that that spreads to your neighbors and um, your friends group or, you know, your parish or, you know, and and what that does is it. it, I think when it all starts at home or starts as the individual and it starts to grow it, it has um, a more profound effect than trying to connect with a large group immediately, you know, Mm -hmm. build it small and then it just expands.
0: Yes. And I think a lot of that conversation starts at the dinner table. Um, You know, that's something that I've been really trying to make a conscious effort to do with my family is make sure we have at least one meal together. You know, I'm busy in the mornings during the the work week, but on weekends we try to have, you know, at least breakfast and dinner together because that's that's when we all start to to talk to one another.
1: Right. I I think that that's a piece of of. You know, the family dynamic that was always so wonderful that we've kind of gotten away from over the years out of convenience, um, busy lives. I think set, sitting down at the table and and having, um, you know, easy conversations that come out just through sitting next to each other for an extended period mm-hmm. of time instead of um, – you know, real quick, when we're in the car, like forcing the questions with the kids, like, how was your day? Or what did you learn in school today? And instead, it can be kind of an organic conversation over, over a meal, Mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, and, and that's where I felt like a lot of the um, I I feel like when you were sit at the table with your family, you kind of convene and you talk about the state of the family, the state of affairs, like how's everyone doing? It gives you an opportunity to hear out your children or your spouse about how their day is. And it gives you an opportunity to have empathy or be there for them. And whereas it, when we're constantly going, sometimes we forget to be vulnerable to the people we care about so they can hear how we're doing and and offer support. And And those are the moments like when we're having dinner or we're having meals or or we're sitting around at the end of the night around like, you know, the fireplace when it gets cold and it's like, Hey, let's talk about where we are and, and how we can help each other. And and sometimes galvanize our love for each other by just reminding our family how much we love them and, and slowing down. And I think a meal period or like, you know, like breakfast or dinner is the perfect time for that.
0: Mm -hmm. And you know, my kids, my youngest in particular, really wants to know how to cook. And since I am not the greatest cook, I'm going to be quite honest with you. It's my husband who does most of the the kitchen duties. You know, they're in the kitchen together and my husband is, you know, teaching him how to make pancakes. And that is a really great way uh, to spend time with each other.
1: Sure. Uh, That's it. I tell you, every Sunday... We cook together. Well, we cook together whenever we get the opportunity. And I think it's, I love it because not only are they learning fun skills, they're learning science, you know, like Mm -hmm. mixing and and measuring, but they're learning how to follow direction. They're learning um, how to like safety in the kitchen. You know, if there's one thing, it's like, hey guys, this is hot or this is sharp. And I want to make sure that um, they understand those pieces too, because as they learn these life skills, they um, those life skills kind of translate later in life, too. you know, but they're learning the fundamentals of all of that young. And I think it's much more than just learning how to make pancakes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. And you know, making a meal for someone you love is a good way to show that love, right? You don't actually have to say, "I love you," but putting something that someone made for you is also showing great affection.
1: Oh, my gosh. So I always um, boast at work <laughs> that every night I come home, Lisa always has something ready for me for dinner. And because I miss I normally miss dinner during the week. And she always makes sure there's a plate. And it's one of those um, little affectionate things that I know that, you know, it's it's a act of kindness and love. Um, but it's unspoken, you know, and, and it's but it It doesn't go without appreciation and gratitude, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. So tell me how you got into the business. Have you always had a fascination with the kitchen and making things? How did that all play out?
1: Well, Janice, it's Janice. It's the only thing I've ever done. (laughs) I'd say I'm a one trick pony. (laughs) So when I was um, when I was a child, I was that um, kid who if he stayed home from school, instead of watching The Price is Right, like every other um, teenager I watched, um, the Frugal Gourmet and Julia Child reruns and uh, the Galloping Gourmet. Um, I was just, just enamored with the idea of taking all of, especially these exotic ingredients. When you're a kid, you're not, you don't normally see these ingredients that you see on TV in your own fridge. And, and I thought it was just so amazing. And then it became art to me, but then art that was also um, edible and, and uh, like you said, it's, there's nothing better than like the truest form of hospitality to me is being able to create something like a dish and and nourish someone with it. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's like you're caring for them in in a, such a deep level by making sure that they're nourished, you know, mm-hmm. I love that. And then, um, so I remember my first job, there was a, um, it was called chicken poulet. It was like a, a rotisserie chicken restaurant in, in our town. And, uh, my mother fell in love with it. I think she ate there like three nights in a row. And then the next day she took me and I'm sitting there and the the manager walks up and he says, you must be Jay. And I said, well, yes, I am. And he goes, well, I can't wait to see you on Saturday when you start. And I looked at my mother and I was, I think I had just turned 14 and a half where I could get my worker's permit. And uh, my wife's or my mom was like, yep, you're going to wash dishes here on the weekends now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And um, I remember uh, the first weekend washing dishes, I saw all the cooks and I said, well, I want to do that. And the minute I got a knife in my hand and I was cooking, I never looked back. And now I'm 43 and um, been in the business, professionally running kitchens for 25 years after culinary school.
0: Hmm. What's the proudest dish you've ever made?
1: Wow. (laughs) Um, Well, I've had some great dishes, uh, one that I was really proud of was uh, the dish that I think one chopped for me. Yes. Um, But I tell you what, the first time my mother ever came to a restaurant where I was the head chef, she asked me if I could cook her a well-done filet and uh, creamed spinach, which wasn't on the, creamed spinach wasn't on the menu. And, you know, as a chef, like, ooh, a well-done beef tenderloin. Okay, that's (laughs) not the most hot (laughs) cuisine. But the fact that I could do that for my mother in the restaurant I was running was just, um, one of those great feelings to like have my mom come to my place of work and still give her her favorite meal, even though it was, um, you know, something that I would, wouldn't normally serve on the menu.
0: That's awesome. And sometimes you got to do that, right? To be somebody that runs a restaurant, you have to listen to your customer.
1: Oh, I think that's the reason, um, you know, I'm lucky that I found success over the years in the business. But I think it's because I learned early that the guest dictates the menu, really, Uh, you know, how are you going to sell something that people don't want to eat, right? So you have to have your finger on the pulse of your market and, um, and listen to them. Like, you know, people are critical a lot these days. Um, You know, you've probably heard that, You know, the Yelps and, the, you know, Trip Advisors and and, um, all the reviews, they can be very challenging. But those are what we use to get better and understand, you know, the great reviews are wonderful, but the the challenging reviews are the ones you learn from.
0: You know, I just thought about something that happened a couple of weekends ago. My sister-in-law, Donna, took my two boys out for brunch uh, at a restaurant. You know, I'm going to give them a shout out. The restaurant is called The Harrison, and Mm. uh, they had a wonderful breakfast, and my sister-in-law ordered, I think, potatoes, like hash browns, and said, can you make sure that they are crispy? And they brought all of the food to the table, and my sister-in-law said it was delicious, it was quick, uh, everybody loved their meal, but the potatoes were kind of off to the side, and the waitress sort of, at the corner of her eye came back when she saw the order come out and said, those hash browns are not crispy. I'm taking them right back. And that stood out to me because my sister-in-law said, I wouldn't have said anything. You know, everything was delicious uh, and I would have eaten them. But I, you know, I did say I wanted them extra crispy. And for that server, that waitress to look at the meal that came out and realize that it wasn't what the customer had wanted and brought it back of her own doing was tremendous.
1: I love that. That's something that is hard to teach. Um, The attention to the details and the actual care, you know, Um, I talk about it all the time with my cooks when they're creating a dish and it's, you know, not to bring it right back to my mother, but I said, would you serve your mom this? Would you be proud of this? You know, and um, it's, You know, in our business, you're judged on the last dish you put out. You Mm -hmm. could have a great service, but if that last plate isn't the one, (laughs) you know, um, you're going to hear about it. And then, you know, for people who really care, um, that lingers with us. You know, we always want to make sure that if a guest is paying, you know, for this great food, it has to be there. You know, it has to be it.
0: And people will forgive, too. I mean, if if you get something wrong and the customer says, oh, you know, I wanted this, you you know, you're kind to each other. That just comes back to human decency. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. I wanted this. And if the you know, if your server, if the restaurant, if the chef comes out and says, I am going to make this right, you're going to come back.
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't know how many times I've um, created lifelong guests by giving showing that extra care. And, um, making it a point for them to know that I look at them as guests and not just another person that's paying for a meal, right? Mm. That when they come in, I love to get to know them, develop the relationships because that's how you create a lifelong, you know, patron. And that's, that's what hospitality is about, right? Yeah. You, you want your community there. You want to feel like you're a place for the community to come and, and, uh, you know, enjoy the fellowship. Mm
0: -hmm. What was it like opening up your first restaurant?
1: (laughs) Extremely uh, challenging. I think (laughs) I lost like 50 pounds in a winter (laughs) from stress. Like Lisa was looking at me saying, are you eating at all? (laughs) Um, and, uh, but it was so rewarding. I think when you're in it, you don't recognize it until you can look back and reflect on, on, all the adversity and how you work through it mm-hmm. and it just makes you stronger. And now it's, it's interesting. Um, so we're at Victoria, we're going through, um, a new menu rollout and a revamp. And, um, in this iteration I've been so calm because I've been through it so many times, but I watched others around me who this might be their first, um, their first experience of going through a huge overhaul and they're a little nervous, and and all I say is like, look, this is a process, and we're going to have challenges and hiccups, and sometimes it's going to be difficult, and we just recognize that and know that we're going to move forward past it and stay in positive attitudes. And they all looked at me like, oh, huh? I, like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, why, why, why should we um, stress about stuff that we know is going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And we're just going to have great attitudes and and push through it, and. It's been a great um, experience so far. Yesterday, we actually rolled out our new menu, Janice. Oh,
0: tell me. Yeah.
1: So, um, man, so Victoria opened in two thousand six um, as the one of the first gastropubs on the East Coast. And what it does was, that mean? So, picture um, a pub, you know, like a more bar-centric restaurant that was serving high-end culinary cuisine, like very innovative. Uh, I remember in 2006, I was in um, I was running a different restaurant, but I heard through the grapevine about this new restaurant close to D.C. that was really killing it. And it was Victoria. And here I am 17 years later, the culinary director for the restaurant group. And um, it's so interesting to be a part of that now and giving it a contemporary facelift, you know, because food has changed in the last 17 years. And I think the consumer is more educated, too. Um, so it's important that we, uh, revisit all of those, uh, ideas and great dishes that we were serving, but bring it to, uh, 2023, you mm-hmm. know? And so that's what we did. And there's some dishes that are just bangers.
0: <laughs> like tell <laughs> I, me, come on, make me, okay. make me uh, drool.
1: Okay, so my favorite dish right now, Janice, is a burrata and prosciutto sandwich, okay. a torn burrata sandwich. But the kicker is, is how we do the bread. So I have a fresh baguette, oh. and I slice it open. I brush it with some garlic aioli, and then I sprinkle Parmesan, fresh grated Parmesan cheese onto a griddle, and I lay the, um, the open-faced bread onto it so as it, it crisps and creates the shell on the inside of the bread, and then when I flip it over, I lay the torn burrata over top of that crispy cheese that's adhered to the inside of the bread, mm-hmm. fresh prosciutto, sliced heirloom tomato with sea salt over it. And then we lay, instead of um, lettuce, we lay fresh pulled basil leaves over it. And so it's like the most incredible version of a of a, um, caprese and so when you bite through the sub roll, you get the soft sub roll, then this crispy layer of Parmesan cheese. Then go into the luscious um, center of the sandwich, which is the torn burrata, the nice salty prosciutto, and then finishing it with that crisp tomato, like the, the sweetness and that little sea salt crystals. Oh, oh my gosh, it's so good.
0: You did very well in describing that. Uh, <laughs> so who tries it first? Are you the one or who does your wife oh. like
1: it's, it's normally me because, um, if there's one thing I've learned over the years, as much as there's winners, there's deep fails. <laughs> and, but that's the fun part. And every time I fail, I always, uh, reference, um, the light bulb, you know, and I'm like, well, Edison learned, you know, a hundred different ways not to make electricity or make a light bulb. Yeah. But when he hit it, he hit it out of the park. So yeah. that's what I always say. And, uh, Lisa laughs because I'll come home and she'll say, so how did that thing you were talking to me about turn out? And I said, baby, that's not a winner. Well, I'm moving on. But then when I walk through the door and say, you won't believe what I came up with.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And to be able to create on a regular, a fairly regular basis is also a wonderful part of your job.
1: Oh, it's um, it's everything. And it's interesting because um, it, I think it just translates to other parts of my life, which has been great. Um, the creative piece, like talking about our families, if there's one thing I enjoy is creating just this world of adventure and wonderment for my kids. Uh, we lucked out to have this wonderful farm and homestead that we live on. And so um, to take them outside all the time, like they live outside and, and to teach them to be good stewards to the land, but yet create this fascinating place for them to explore and, and, um,
0: be, I I mean, be a part of the world. I feel like, you know, our kids are so immersed right now in the technology, right? Uh, the iPads, the phones, the, the video games, and to be able to get them outside and appreciate, Um, you know, good food, like where it comes from and being in a restaurant where people have to talk to one another. You know, I think that that's, that's an appreciation we're losing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll send the kids down and they'll pick vegetables and then bring them up for dinner. And it's, it's, that's something that I think most kids don't have the opportunity to do or see. And, I think it just will pay back dividends later in life because we're setting um, a foundation of knowing where their food comes from, appreciating whole foods,
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, when
1: they, when they say uh, they want to go to Papa's workshop is what they call my restaurant. I guess they think I'm Santa. Santa. That's awesome. (laughs) But um, when they go and they see all the ingredients and they meet all the chefs and they, and that's the other thing, they get to meet the diverse staff I have. I mean, we have um, cooks from you know so many different countries around the world that all offer such great insight into food. Um, it's this melting pot, and I think it's it's a metaphor for what we should see our our lives like, filled with all types of different backgrounds mm-hmm. and belief systems and value systems. But all working together for one goal, yes. I think, is an amazing thing. Yeah. You know. And so to show my children that, it's it's very cool.
0: And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. What's your favorite meal? Oof. Well,
1: um, I love my wife's chicken and dumplings. <laughs> but my favorite meal, hands down, Sunday night, if we do a homemade shrimp scampi oh. and um, we will – what we do is we go down, we collect the eggs from the ducks and I use duck eggs because they're richer Mm. and we make pasta dough, duck egg pasta dough. And my kids roll it out with me. And so we make fresh noodles and then just a simple olive oil, um, toasted garlic and shrimp and some fresh basil. And, um, then I love to serve it family style at the table and we all just kind of dig in and sit around. I was gifted this, um, really wonderful cutting board for, um, from this, uh, charity event that I, I attend every year. And, um, it's become my new favorite way to plate food, like on the cutting board family style. And we just bring it over to the table and we all sit around and, um, pull from it. Yep. I think it's just a fun way to eat.
0: Absolutely. Um, I would say, you know, my favorite meal, there's two, I mean, a really good cheeseburger, is Ooh. you can't beat that, right? Oh, no, that's, oh, man. But I will say my, I think my favorite, and it's so simple, it's a BLT. But it has to be a BLT, even though it looks simple. You have to have all of the perfect, the tomato has to be perfect. <laughs> the bacon has to be made just right. And the bread needs to be Fabulous. So it's like uh, all of those ingredients, even though it sounds like a simple dish, Jay, um, there is a way to knock my socks off with a BLT.
1: Uh, you you and my wife should spend time together.
0: This
1: <laughs> is a BLT. But you're right. I I mean, um, so Lee gets this bacon from this farm down the road that I'll never go back to regular bacon now. <laughs> and it's it's one of those things though. It's like as you develop, you're like, the only bacon I like on my BLT is this, or I love a nice thick slice of tomato, but you have to season it with a little salt and pepper too, yes. because it's, it's all in the details, right?
0: Yeah. And like homemade oh. mayonnaise, you know, that too Ooh. is, makes
1: everything. <laughs> oh man, you're speaking my language.
0: I, I could talk about food all day long. What about desserts? Give me some desserts.
1: So, um. For me, I'm a um, I love chocolate mousse. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, um, I uh, just the simplicity of it. There was this time right before um, I started a, a job. Lee and I we had we didn't have kids yet, and we went to Williamsburg on vacation. because we love history, just anything history, you know. And we were at this restaurant, and their dessert was all you can eat chocolate mousse. <laughs> and I didn't know it was all you can eat. So I was just sitting there and I was talking to the table next to us because they happened to be from Baltimore and they were the woman came over and she starts dolloping chocolate mousse into this bowl. And I thought she was going to stop on her own. And because I didn't hear her say, just say when. <laughs> and my wife finally was like, Jay, are you going to eat all that chocolate mousse? And it was this heaping pile. And I said, well, good thing it's the kind of dessert that I could eat all night long.
0: Wow. And it was good. Um, but,
1: Oh my gosh, it was the best. So I love chocolate mousse. I love a good creme brulee. Mm. At the at the restaurant now, though, we are we made this. It's like um an apple crumb cake that instead of um folding in fresh apples to the batter, we fold in dehydrated apples to the batter. So as it bakes, it it rehydrates. What? Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's so delicious. And 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 it has such a wonderful crumb. And then we're topping it with a um a cinnamon graham cracker ice cream. (gasps) Oh, oh yeah. And and we're warming the cake a touch before. It's, it's one of those just simple, like decadent, perfect for the season type of desserts.
0: Yeah. I love that. Simple, but perfect. You got to tell me about your time on chopped. How did that all happen?
1: It was, um, I wasn't expecting it. They call, um, I received a phone call at five o'clock on a Friday night and, you know, five o'clock, on a Friday for a chef is kind of like crunch time. Yes, you know, and um, and I said, "Can you just take a message to the hostess?" And she said, "Well, it's a Food Network." They, and I said, "Really? <laughs> I thought I was being uh, punked, you know." And um, turns, it was a guy named Jordan. He was a producer for Chopped, and he said that um, they had been looking for talent in the region, and they had seen our website and was curious if I'd be interested in competing. And I said, well, you know, I can't really take time off from the restaurant. He said, one day, a Monday, in New York for filming. And I said, whoa, that sounds, that's doable. And um, that phone call, a week from the phone call, it was settled. We had gone through the interview process, um, a couple Skypes. And next thing you know, they were sending a a film team to do some footage at the farm. Hmm. And then um, I traveled up to Harlem where um, they film and, in one day, and it was from 5 a.m. till around 9 at night, one full day of filming. I met some of the most amazing chefs. Uh, all of the talent for that show, the judges and the hosts, and even the um, the production team were just the most fantastic people. Mm. I had such an amazing time.
0: And what was your dish that you won on?
1: Oh, so it, it I did... <laughs> Um, I think the dish that won it was the entree round beef kidneys.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> With um, I th- the ingredients were beef kidneys, winter fungus soup, <laughs> a, um, a cookie called a Stroopwaffle which I traveled to see my mother in Aruba last summer, and it's a Dutch cookie, and they make them by hand in the grocery stores there. And I said, I've never seen it before. and Now I come to visit my mom, and they're making them by hand in front of me. Wow. It was such an interesting thing. But, um, and then ramps, which was, uh, it's a spring onion, and uh, we actually have a little wild patch here on the farm, so I knew that ingredient really well. And I think some of my success from working or, or going on Chop was kind of like a slumdog millionaire thing. There was always an ingredient in every basket that I knew so well that I could go back to a point in my career and just um, reference it and use it in the dish. And and it all worked out so well. But the kicker was, Janice, I went there looking to just be genuine, be myself, stay grounded, appreciate the time and the experience. And I think that's what um, gave me – the confidence to do it or, you know, uh, offered me the opportunity to win because I I didn't try to be something other than myself because I said, you know, they're going to, the production team's going to edit this and all of that. And as long as I'm myself win or lose, I'll be happy with how I was portrayed. You know,
0: Mm. that's a great lesson in life, Jay. It really is not just your experience, but any experience uh, that you go through is just to be yourself. That's what I tell my kids, you know, listen, we're proud of you. If you do well in school and sports and all that thing, but I just want you to be a good human. I'll be proud of you. If you're a good human and you're, you're kind to others uh, and you're an empathetic uh, person, you know, that, that really wants to know about, the world around them and the people that they come in contact with, you know, maybe some that's something you can't teach. But I think what you just described, you know, for the outstanding TV, you know, the TV experience that you had um, is is a rule in life that we should all follow.
1: I agree 100 percent. I use the term thoughtful a lot, mm. you know, with my kids like uh, we were one day we were outside in my daughter's. She's, she was four at the time. She just looked at me and she goes, Papa, you're curious. <laughs> I, or she's like, you're so curious. And I said, huh? But um, she's right. I'm curious about so many things because I want to learn about them so I can understand them better. Right. And then what I say to my kids all the time, it's like, I love how you like, I make it a point to let them know. I appreciate when they're thoughtful or when they're, they're, um, you know, showing those traits that you just described, empathetic, caring, um, because if we champion those traits in them, I think we'll see them blossom more. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yep, it's true. Yep. For sure. Jay, you are just such a pleasure. Uh, if people want to find out where to find you, go to your restaurant. Um, how can we get them there?
1: Sure. So it's uh, Victoria Gastro Pub is the restaurant we just did a rollout for. We're so excited with Victoria. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, um, right outside of DC and Baltimore. And then um, we're part of Victoria Restaurant Group, which is based in the same area. And we have a wonderful um, uh, tavern in historic Ellicott City. It's one of the most beautiful little towns in America. And um, all farm to table food. It's attached to a brewery we're associated with that brews um, local beer. And we have a local farm. It's wonderful.
0: Mm, Sounds delicious. I want to get out there, you know, to be continued.
1: I can't wait to see you,
0: Janice. <laughs> ah, Jay, God bless. Thank you so much for doing this, and you know, I will be in touch, um, and and hopefully we can get you to to New York.
1: Oh, I'd love that, and and uh, I tell you what, we're loving reading all of your books. Lisa <laughs> has referenced all of them lately, and I've been reading them to the kids at night. We just—it's it, a real joy.
0: Well, maybe Freddie the Frogcaster needs to go and try some of your food.
1: I'd love that. (laughs) All right, be well.
0: You too, my friend. Thanks again to chef Jay Roffing, culinary director for Victoria restaurant group in Maryland for coming on the podcast. And I do look forward to coming to Victoria gastro pub with my family, not only to enjoy a beautiful meal cooked with love, but to be part of a hospitality staple featuring the best of what Baltimore and its surrounding communities have to offer. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.